Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the 86th episode of Journey into Passion with Nikkei S on Everyday Folks Radio. It is September 11, 2021, and I am your host, Nikkei Madison. On this 20th anniversary of 9-11, we remember those who lost their lives along with their families and friends who had to endure the pain of their loss. We also remember the heroes and heroines who ran into danger, some paying the ultimate sacrifice including those on Flight 93, whose brave decisions saved the lives of many on that fateful day. And today, my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Cindy Milligan, founder of Milligan's Vocal Arts, and I will be talking about ways to care for and use our voices to create opportunity. I'm using my voice to salute all those brave souls and remind everyone listening that we must do what we can to care for one another. Let us continue to honor the heroes and heroines of today in the hospitals, schools, police stations, firehouses, and so many others on the front lines. The hashtag never forget is more than just a hashtag. It is a reminder that the lives lost and the heroes and heroines of that day, many days and days after, will forever be honored. We can do that by always seeing life as a privilege and honoring those who protect and work tirelessly to care for us, our families, friends, and our children. Don't forget to keep up with Everyday Folks Radio programming right here on www.blogtalkradio.com slash everydayfolksradio. And make sure to tune in to the next episode of uh, Journeying the Passion on September 25th at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll be talking Unsealing Your Passion. And then the next JIP Inspiration Moment, entitled Getting Out of My Own Way, will be on September 27th. You can see see and hear it on Facebook.com slash Journeying the Passion with an EKS and Instagram on Instagram.com slash Anike underscore S dot underscore Madison. So here we are. Today's show is called Your Voice and Your Opportunity. And if you want to learn how to use your voice creatively to influence, persuade, inspire, and motivate, encourage, and even heal, today is a great show for you. It is the second JIP Takeover, and today Dr. Cindy Milligan will be taking over, and she will be helping us to, to turn our voice into a powerful creative instrument for great communication. Dr. Milligan is the founder of Milligan Vocal Arts Institute. She is a vocal coach, voiceover artist, and film scholar. She consults in communications and ministry and and media, and she has created programs in voice, performance, and leadership. Dr. Milligan founded Milligan Vocal Arts Institute in 2013 as a research and education organization focusing on the merger of voice, art, and technology. Her primary research is on how the the spoken human voice is used in performance. And she has created a theory called sonic vocality, which explains how actors use their voices to create characters. 
She has helped many find opportunities using their voices, and today she will share some of those techniques with us. Now, remember, if you have any questions or comments, I am monitoring the emails at anikapassionjourney at gmail.com. And if you want to chat with us after Cindy finishes speaking, I will be bringing you on 347-539-5372. No further ado, let's bring on Dr. Cindy Milligan. Are you there? Hello, Anike. Yes, I hello, am. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. Hello, how are you? Thank you. I am great. I'm excited to hear about what you're going to share with us. (laughs) You know what? There's so much information uh, that I can share with you. Every time I think about one little thing, it leads me down a rabbit hole of like five more things. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So I'm going to try to stay focused. We have about 25 years in the day. (laughs) I've been kind of thinking about it for a while. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, I'm going to Huh? I said, it's, yeah, it's, it's been a while. I've been thinking about it. Yes, I know it. I know it. Well, I'm going to leave you to it. So go ahead, Dr. Cindy Milliken. <laughs> okay. Well, I am really happy to be here uh, with Anike. We have known each other for a very long time, and she does know about my part most of my crazy journey with voice. Um, but I originally got interested in the spoken human voice um, when my mom was teaching me how to read. And she just had this incredibly rich, deep voice. And she would read stories to me, and it was just so fascinating. And um, so I remember asking her to teach me how to do that. And she said, well, Cindy, you just have to use inflection. And I said, yeah, inflection and intonation, you know, to make your voice sound interesting. And I just couldn't follow. I said, what is inflection? And so she began to explain to me. And so ever since then, I've just been really fascinated with the spoken human voice. And that really is my expertise. Uh, I have an OMCHC in communication, but I specifically study the spoken voice and how it is used in film. And when you mentioned sonic vocality, that is the name of a theory that I've created that explains how actors use their voices to create characters in movies. And so it's out of that research on um, which I, I, I did a lot of focus groups, and what I found was that most people will definitely understand and, and relate to characters based on the sound of their human voice versus how they looked or how they acted in the movie. So it, I was able to prove it when I did this research. And so out of that research um, is what informs what I'm doing today because uh, I created the Milligan Vocal Arts Institute to study the spoken human voice. If I tell a person I'm a vocal coach, they immediately think that I'm a singer or that I teach singers. And I'm not, and I don't teach singers. However, because I understand the anatomy and physiology of the voice, I can help singers. So my area of expertise is really in the spoken human voice. And the way I'm using it today is in um, two different ways, either artistically or in business. And really that's what all – all of these things are connected together and uh, became real clear to me when I created this theory called sonic vocality. As a matter of fact, that's how I began to understand it all. 
So to connect those two, the Million Vocal Arts Institute, we've, I've identified 30 different vocal genres, and some are artistic and some are on the business side. So that's really what I'm talking about, the way I'm using my voice in two different ways, either artistically in performance or if I'm using it in business, which I would consider today more business than artistic, but um, if you're doing a Zoom meeting or some, making some type of presentation, that's used in business. But basically, when you look at the 15 different genres, uh, on the creative side, I work with actors, comedians, DJs, impersonators, puppeteers, rappers, singers, storytellers, spoken word artists, and voiceover artists. And then on the business side, I work with people who are in broadcasting, attorneys and judges, call center reps, coaches, ministers, motivational speakers, teachers, and sales professionals. And so you see those two different uh, categories, for lack of a better term, uh, of vocal genres kind of are how a lot of people are operating today, right? So creatively in performance, um, a, a film scholar in studying films, the way I set up this research in order to do, uh, to determine, get all this information was uh, I found five pairs of match films, I edited the clips out, and then I showed them to focus groups in varying ways. And so the whole concept of being able to control your voice and use it to be either creative, to influence people, to persuade someone to do something, if you're just entertaining them or you're trying to heal, inspire, motivate, or encourage, all of those things can be done really just through the power and the sound of your voice and the way you uh, can control it. And so it's, uh, to me, it's a really fascinating way to study it, but, you know, most people today are just wanting really practical ways of using their voice, uh, and they many times don't think about, you know, what, uh, how people understand it or receive it. And so um, just to give you some examples that came out of the, the research, uh, if you're going to use your voice to either influence and persuade, well, there were some characteristics and traits uh, that came out of the research study about how people or audiences uh, can really understand the spoken human voice. And one of the things that would be really useful today in business is to be to sound confident, right? Um, and so out of the research, uh, this is one of the specific traits and characteristics that uh, I got from the focus group participants, and they understood and read confidence as the way you use rhythm, pace, tone, enunciation, and vocal variety. So if you're, being, if you're trying to portray yourself <laughs> as confident when you really aren't, uh, which is a lot of times the position we find ourselves in, I've been in it many times myself, but if I'm trying to appear confident or sound confident, I can use these things vocally to kind of help me. So if you could just remember you know, that your tone just needs to be very sincere, articulate your words clearly, and use vocal variety. You know, uh, let your highs and lows be, become clear as you're speaking to someone. And, you know, if you, if you think about people that you deem confident, uh, usually they do have a very easy rhythm and pace to their sound. It's easy to listen to them. They're not choppy in their speech. They don't use a lot of pauses. 
Um, but they just have an ability to be strong and clear with the highs and lows, lows of, the, of the sound of the voice and how they use it. And really, you know, if you have a lot of times people talk about your tone of voice, um, you know, it could be a strong tone, a direct tone, um, a funny tone. But tone really a lot of times is associated with emotion. And, of course, that can also be uh, strongly communicated in the sound of the voice. But confidence is that one thing that we really would like to um, exude uh, and influence. And especially if we're trying to persuade someone, we need to sound really confident. So just remember that, you know, your tone uh, don't have a lot of pitch changes, but just have a very calm, matter-of-fact voice and just be very direct. Now, one of the things that I have found that really when, when, we, when we're using our voices is to have that human-to-human communication or that human-to-human connection. And this works whether you're in vocal performance um, or you're using your voice in business. And that's just to have that uh, strong, confident, calm voice. And those characteristics um, are how people understand it and receive it. But if when you're making, when you're using your voice, you want to make sure that you're directing it to another human. You know, uh, if two people are talking and you just happen to hear their voice, you don't see them. You can tell that they're talking to one another. And that human-to-human connection is what we all are kind of seeking in some way. And so a lot of times you can just really connect with me and really hit me tone of your voice. So uh, those types of things are really important. Now, I just want to give you uh, an idea of some of the things that you might not pay a lot of attention to when you're using your voice. But this is all information that is part of sonic locality. Uh, and that theory that I created. So um, out of all of the research, there were 12 specific traits and characteristics that people use to understand uh, the spoken human voice. And I'll just give you them really quickly, but just so you can see how they work. So there are 12 of these vocal elements. Breath is one, pitch, inflection, emphasis, volume, fluency, pace, pause, rate, rhythm, articulation, and pronunciation. So I know that's a long list, but these are things we use in everyday communication. Uh, you can tell when someone is asking you a question because their pitch raises at the end of the sentence. Um, things are emphasized with inflection, right, or pauses. Um, rhythm and pace also has a lot to do with the way people understand us. And so those 12 elements became what, uh, what I now call the vocal power 12 because this is really where the power lies within your voice. So if you're able to control the pitch of it, if you're able to be more fluent instead of choppy when you speak, and that just takes practice, but uh, using inflection or rhythm, these are all things, cues, that people use to understand when someone is speaking to them. So if you're trying to be confident, let's go back to that example. Uh, If you're trying to be confident, you want to make sure you're using rhythm, pace, and tone in a very even way and that your energy is up and it's your enunciation is clear. Uh, All of that 
equals vocal variety, but all of that also includes confidence. So uh, there were a lot of really positive terms uh, and traits and conditions that came out of that research, and that's really how we would use our voices, but we're intentional and specific with them. So if I'm trying to use my voice to persuade you to do something, of course I want to sound confident, but I also want to sound genuine. Right, and genuine is one of those things that they described in my research as you can tell if someone is genuine by their tone of voice, and uh, I think we can all agree with that. But if I ask you how to describe it, that might be a little bit more difficult, right? Because we just don't think in terms of ways to um, describe our voices. But if you're trying to use your voice in persuasion, uh, or I would say to influence to heal or uh, motivate or inspire, that it's your desire to make that communication connection with another human being and that when you're speaking to them, you're speaking directly to them and that it needs a certain level of confidence because it's not like you can't look at them or you can't, you know, directly communicate with them. So, um, it's really important to understand that you do have the power in your voice to do that. And I think a lot of times we just all take it for granted. Oh yeah, I can just speak or say whatever I want. And, you know, to some people, yes, they can, but to others, they probably shouldn't. (laughs) And that old saying about sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. That's just a lie. Because, there are some things that you can say to people or maybe things that someone has said to you that hits you to the core and it really causes a lot of damage, more so than if they would have physically hit you. If they physically hit you, you can, your body heals relatively quickly. But if you're saying something that just kicks me to my core, you know, people carry those injuries and those wounds around for life. And so there really is a lot of power in your voice and being able to use it in a way that is very intentional uh, and what you need for the moment. Um, So if you were trying to talk your boss into a raise, right, you got to have a negotiating voice, which is a calm voice, a confident voice. You are trying to influence that person to do a certain thing, right, to get you more money or more benefits. And so to be genuine and confident uh, when you're going into that negotiation is, is really important. And, again, that's a matter of using your vocal variety, uh, keeping a calm, even tone, and a rhythm and a pace. So uh, there are just so many different ways and in combinations that we use these vocal cues every single day. And uh, I always say I didn't invent the vocal power 12, so I sure wish I would have. Um, even though it's kind of under-recognized in society is the way we use our voice. We focus a lot of times on exactly what is said, but then we've got to consider also the paravocal communication, and that's the kind of thing that sits on top of or kind of is embedded through what you say. So paravocal communication uh, are those sounds or vocalizations that we make that still communicate something. So if I vocalized this, Mm, mm, mm. You know what I mean, even though that's not a word, 
right? You couldn't really write it down, but you know exactly what I mean when I vocalize that. And especially if it's within the context of something else, you know, then it's really apparent what it means. Uh, or we just do little grunts and groans and mm, ah, we express a lot just vocally. And that is what is called paralinguistics or paravocal communication. It's, it's embedded in there. And when you're uh, looking at the creative use of voice, when you can include those little details in your performances, they should come naturally. But um, if you just make sure you add those, it really is one of the things that highlights that human-to-human connection um, that happens because it's like one human seeking out another one. And, you know, we just kind of are drawn that way to each other. And the way we use our voice and the way we make sounds uh, is really, really critical to all of that. So the theory is really pretty simple, but it can become really complex, especially when you're talking about how you control and use your voice. And really the basis of all of that control, for, whether it's for creative, artistic, or business use, is on how you use breath. And um, before we kind of go into a, another phase, if you have any questions, I'll just give you a quick story on breath and how critical it is to voice. I used to hear this all the time about, you know, breath support and so forth. And um, as a person who's not really a singer, although I've taken singing classes, a couple of private coaches for a while, but it, it, it just kind of fizzled out. The thing is, they would always say, you've got to have good breath support. And that never was really clear to me because it didn't make sense like what was supposed to be supporting what, right? Um, but what I learned is that it's the way you take in air and the way you use air is what happens and allows you to create your voice. So basically your voice, you know, is created from four systems that are working in your body at the same time, and that's respiration, phonation, resonation, and articulation. And so when you start using uh, your voice, all you're doing is you inhale air. Some of it goes through the rest of your body. Other parts are uh, on the exhale, and that's how you're able to speak. The, so the air comes up through the vocal folds. The vocal folds vibrate, uh, chop up the sound, make this buzzing sound, and then it comes up through the rest of the vocal track tra and out through the nose or the mouth. And it, when it comes out of the mouth, it is shaped by your lips, your tongue, your articulators. And so that's how words are formed, and that's how sound is formed. So not only are the words a critical part of our communication, but those other vocalizations and that paralinguistics that's on top of it, mm, those extra sounds, uh, they just allow us to express emotion or um, our personalities in very specific ways. And so um, I could go on and on and on talking about voice and all the intricacies and <laughs> nuances that I find, find so fascinating. But, um, Anika, I think it's probably a good time for us to answer some questions and maybe that can give me an opportunity to talk about different things based on what people are interested in. All right. Well, we have a caller. I'm going to bring them right on. Okay. New caller. Welcome to Journey to Passion. 
Can Thank you hear you. Us? Can you hear? Can you hear me? I hear yes. you well. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. I'm very intrigued about all of what the speak the, 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 the guest speaker is saying, and it's sort of overwhelming. You never think that all of this is necessary in order to be a great presenta- presenter, uh, whatever you are. Is this when if if you're working with uh, uh, someone or a group of people and teaching them how to let's just put it in the corporate world how to make to be better presenters is this a very long process do you have to get a feel of who these people are and where they're how they think because you got to teach them how to breathe and you have to teach them how to 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 their tone of their voice and the sounds and articulation this sounds very complicated but just very interesting so i just was curious about the process when you're actually doing this well, thank you so much for that question. No one's ever asked me that before, but that's a great question. Uh, so when I do consulting, for example, I just spoke with a, a, a client the other day, and her concern, and which is, this is true for a lot of people, is they have this nervousness and this fear and this anxiety when they have to give presentations or whatever. So a lot of times they're really focused on what they say and how they look uh, and how they come across. But, you know, what I kind of teach it all kind of mixed in together, so that's kind of uh, what the term holistic approach to teaching voice. Uh, but I'm reluctant to use that term, but it just means everything kind of all combined together, right, and that comes naturally out of your body. So, again, when I'm teaching them, it's about that human-to-human communication. Because if I'm just talking one-on-one with a Nikkei, uh, for example, and we're just, you know, we've known each other for so many years, we're just very comfortable and we say whatever we want to say. Well, that's me talking directly to her. We always have that connection. But if you're trying to present in front of a group of people or in front of an audience, the only way you can do that really effectively is to talk to one person and then direct your comment to another person, talk to someone else in the back, in the front, to the side, to have a series of individual conversations. And what this does is with that human communication and connection, you're able to use your voice naturally, effectively, right? There are some things that would be useful for you to know if you're trying to emphasize. But when you have that connection, you already include that type of thing into your voice. And so that whole uh, little idea and the way I teach people to connect with individuals, eliminates several problems. It eliminates the whole issue of fear in front of talking in front of an audience because really what you're doing is just having individual conversations. You're making eye contact. And when you do that, all of these things start to fall into place, right? You make the connection. You use your voice effectively. You use gestures and your body language also very effectively, and you make that connection that people can really understand and, and connect with what you're saying. So um, that's the beginning of it. So the beginning, you could learn a lot just, you know, practicing that. But once you start to really try to uh, hone in on specific messages, it's when we get into the details of maybe you're going to increase your breath flow here or, um, you know, make sure your articulation is clear here. 
speed up the pace over here, slow things down in this area. When you start to really refine for specific intentional type presentations or delivery, right? And that can be either artistic or business. But it's a matter wow. of really knowing who you're talking to and, and the message that you're trying to convey so that you can be clear about it. So wow. It's simple, but it's pretty complex. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it. yeah. It sounds like there's a lot to it. There's a lot to try to take all in in, in this one show. You probably have that part two. But um, <laughs> interesting. So if you have someone who's, like you said, she's shy or nervous, so you've got to get them to a point of being relaxed and at the same time teach them how to make their presentation, speaking and doing all of those steps. Is that a very long, tedious process, or is it just something that we can – because I was listening and I'm saying, wow, this sounds like this could probably be much to try to get me from point A to point B. Does that make sense? Well, it really – yes, I understand what you're saying. It sounds like a lot when I start detailing all of the stuff that I, yeah. that I studied and came out of the research, but really it all just comes back to being able to make that connection. Now, uh, for oh, people who are very – uh, when they're really uh, anxious and have a lot of anxiety, um, there's a term for that when it comes to public speaking, and it's called glossophobia. And it's really the fear of speaking in public. And 55% of the population have glossophobia, right? As a matter of fact, it is the number one fear, and people would literally rather die than speak in public. And so wow. when you have that fear and anxiety, it's, I, and, and this is, this is going to sound really harsh, but it's just meant because I mean it literally. Um, if I said when you're really nervous and anxious, a good part of that is very selfish because you're concerned about how you're coming across, you're concerned about how you sound, you're concerned about mm-hmm. yourself, right? Yeah. But what I yeah. try to teach people to do is focus the attention on the audience and the person you're trying to get the message to because when you focus your intentions that way, it takes all the pressure off you and your body just falls into place with what your mind wants to do. So once you have it mm. settled in your mind what you're trying to communicate, who you're trying to communicate to, and that you're genuinely trying to make that connection, all of those things just start working together, Right. And so you can yeah. learn that pretty quickly. The part that gets more complex is if you were trying to do a very specific speech uh, to a specific group of people, let's just be crazy and say uh, you're talking to a bunch of elementary school teachers and you're trying to persuade them to get on the we've got to do something about climate change bandwagon, right? right. So that's a very mm-hmm. specific group of teachers, right? probably in a very specific area, right, and you're talking about something very specific. So you want to communicate to them in a way that touches them. That's when you start really getting into the fine-tuning of uh, inflection Uh and tone and, you know, Mm -hmm. articulation and all that kind of stuff. But a big part of it comes across already if you make that human human to human connection. Mhm. That really yeah. is the key. Got it. Wow. This is very interesting. It's just amazing. <laughs> so I, I, 
<laughs> You're welcome. Thank you, Anike. I certainly appreciate that time. I didn't mean to take up the whole thank show. You. Thank you. No, that's okay. okay. I, I appreciate it. Thank, I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that oh, question. Hi. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was, and I like because the thing is that you're right. A lot of it is just it's the confidence. Is that I don't know if I can do this, and oh my god, all these people are looking at me, and I'm sweating <laughs> right. down. My whole back is wet, I'm sweating. I can't, I can't concentrate. I can't think. And so when right. you talk to somebody who says, "Okay, I have got to make this great presentation. Um, I have all my coworkers. They're going to be looking at me. My boss is going to be looking at me." Give me some tips, like, okay, I'm here, I'm standing there, like, give me some tips. What do I do before, what do I do during, and, what do, and how, do I, how do I get myself to that point? Like, what, what, what kind of tips would you give that person? Okay, first I would say you have to take the focus off of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we have a conversation, Anike, we're not trying to impress each other. I'm talking about you and I, Right. Um, right. I have a one-to-one conversation with someone. I'm perfectly fine with that. But put me in front of a group of people, and now all of a sudden I get the deer in the headlights. So mm-hmm. the, the key is to, instead of looking at it as you're talking to an audience, is you look at it as you're having a series of individual conversations with different people in the audience, right? So right. I might turn to my right and speak to someone who's, you know, on the front row, and then I turn to the left and somebody maybe near the middle of the room, or if I need to speak to someone in the back of the room to make sure that people feel that I really am trying to connect with them. Now I'll tell you what yeah. not to do also. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, these are definitely. two myths that you probably have heard. One is that you should uh, imagine everyone in your audience with no clothes on. Yes. Okay. <laughs> have you heard yes, that before? Yes. I have. I was so, going to ask you. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> yeah, no. Do not. Do not. First of all, I don't think you could really do it because you're thinking about yourself, how you come across. You're thinking about what you have to say. You're freaking out because you're in front of all these people. And now you have to imagine that all of them don't have clothes on. That's taking – your brain is already fully, you know, trying to just survive that particular moment. Now you want to add right. on imagining people with no clothes on? Okay, and then the second part of that is there are some people you probably wouldn't want to see without clothes on, right? <laughs> right, right. So, right. So, so just don't do that. Just don't do that. The other thing you might have heard is, you know, find a spot on the wall, you know, in the back of the room, and yeah. look at that spot instead of. Have you heard that? I have heard that. I have. Okay. Yeah, don't do that either. <laughs> that's a that's a terrible thing to do because people can tell if you're looking them in the eye or not. And right. if you're looking at us, if you're trying to focus on a spot on a blank wall, that's really hard to do, right? So then your eyes right. start doing weird things, and people can tell there's something that's not genuine. So they look at mm-hmm. that as being disingenuous if you're trying to do that, right? Uh, and definitely not above someone's head. I mean, look people in their eyes and have individual conversations with them, and you would be shocked at the amount of anxiety that takes off of you because yeah. you're not worried yeah. about yourself anymore, right? If you know right. that what you have to say is important, 
then mm-hmm. you're going to communicate it that way. Right. Here's a really quick example of that. Uh, when my nephew was about four years old, I, he loved Chuck E. Cheese. I told him that I was going to surprise him one day, and we, I took, the surprise was to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Well, when I drove up into the parking lot with him, uh, at the same time the mouse, <laughs> the big mouse was coming out the front door, and he slips out, gets himself out of the seat belt, opens the car door, and starts running across the parking lot to the mouse. And so you can imagine the horror I felt like, oh, my God, right? The only thing right. I do is stop the car uh, and, and go after him. But in that moment, do you think for – I did not care if the parking brake was on. I don't even think I put the car in gear. I flung open the door. My purse was still on the, on the seat next to me. And I did not care one iota about that car. My focus was on getting him and getting him to yeah. a safe place, right? That's how mm-hmm. intentional you have to be about getting that message to your audience if you think it's important. Yeah. And it generally is, right? So if you're yeah. looking at them saying, you know what, I've really got to make sure that you understand everything that I'm talking about, then your tone and your focus becomes different. And when your tone and focus is on the person that you're trying to communicate with instead of on yourself, then the anxiety goes where? It is no right. right. Yeah. I love that. I, I love that because I, th- I think about that, you know, when I was first starting and thinking, okay, I don't know if I can do I'm really nervous about this. But it's like your passion takes over. The passion for it takes yeah. over. And, you know, like you said, what you have to say is so important that all that other, the other fears just kind of go out the window because you have to get the message out. You, this is what you got to do. And so I love that. Right. That's fantastic. Yeah. You sound intentional. Yeah. You sound focused. You sound confident because you know what you have to say is important, and you need to make sure that the people you're trying to get this message to get it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, have you ever personally been in a situation because you're an educator, you're a speaker, you're a voice coach, and, you, and you've actually done um, some voiceovers, so have you ever been in a situation where you're right in the middle of speaking or doing a voiceover work and something happens? You know, maybe you yeah. need a tick on your or something. Like, what do you do when that happens? Oh, my God. Okay, so this is a story of the worst possible thing that could happen, right? It yeah. was the only thing I truly, truly feared. So um, shortly after my mom passed away at the beginning of, well, she passed away at the very end of 1999, um, mm-hmm. I was always afraid that, you know, when I, would, when I was doing motivational speeches and training, that was the work I was doing when she passed away. So late, maybe about a month after she had um, past, I had, I went back to work. I had speaking engagements. And the fear that I had was that one day I was just going to lose it because in so much of my, the content that I uh, present included, you know, stuff that I learned from both my mom and my dad. And I was always afraid Mm -hmm. that I would get to one of those points and just lose it, right? Right. And this was like, right after she passed, I was back out on the road and I will never forget it. I was coming to the end of the speech, and I was thinking to myself, well, I, I made it, I made it, right? I get to the very end of it, Anike, 
and I start telling the story about something mom said. I wasn't planning on doing that, mm-hmm. but I just started telling the story, and I could feel it in my body. It was like all of the moisture that was <laughs> anywhere in oh, my body oh. decided out of my eyes. Oh, my God. I started crying. Oh, no. And so I'm standing there in the middle of the, and I was almost done, right? And so I started crying because I started telling the speech about my mom, and it was so raw. And I could feel the tears just falling down my face. And in my mind, I was like, I see Cindy, just keep going. You know, right. it'll stop in a second. Just keep going. You're almost done. You're almost done. And in Nikkei, they would not stop. The tears would not stop coming down my face. And so now I'm really freaking out because I I don't know what to do, right? I can't stop them. It's not getting any better. And I can just feel my body just, you know, freaking out. So I stopped. And I just let the tears fall out of my eye. I had to because I couldn't even speak anymore. Right? Right. And I couldn't just walk away. Right. So I just said, okay, just let them fall. And as they were falling, you know, I could see blurrily, <laughs> you know, people just like <laughs> mouths open shock, like, oh, my God. You know, it's everybody's yeah. greatest nightmare. Right. So right. I just let them, I just let them fall. And finally, you know, I was able to say the last couple of sentences that I needed to say. And that was it. And let me tell you, it just felt like all the muscles that were in my body just said, you know what, we're not going to hold you up anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're just mm-hmm. done with you. And, right. and that was the end of that. But after it happened, it never happened again. Wow. And what was the reaction of the audience? They were just like, you know, they just went crazy. They were like, at first they were just like, Everybody sucked the air out of the room, <gasps> right? Yeah, right, right. And it was like, yeah, it was like time was frozen. And then, of course, after it was all done, I think they were applauding, but everybody kind of rushed me, you know, afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay? Are you okay? Well, that's a good you know? Yeah. I'm sorry? That's a good so time. They were just trying to make sure I was okay, and I oh, was yeah. just really trying to come myself, to be honest. And yeah. it just turned out that, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And, see, that's what mm-hmm. gets us every time. Because mm-hmm. when you're afraid and you have this anxiety and fear, my question to you is what exactly are you afraid of? Yeah. Because, yeah. What were you afraid of? Could you put your finger on Oh. For me, I was afraid of the fumble and, the, you know, losing my train of thought. Like, I was, so, I was so anxious about doing it that I was afraid that I was just going to go so fast I was, and then all of a sudden I was going to flub a lot of words and forget where I, you know, forget the sequence of what I'm speaking, you know, just kind of just feel uh-huh. a freak out. <laughs> right in the middle of everything. Well, yeah. if you did a freak out, what would that look like? What did you think was going to happen? I thought I was just going to just forget everything. I think I think I was just going to blank out and then be okay. like, okay, I have no so idea you, where I am right now. Okay, so if you blanked out, then what would happen? 
then I, I just, for me, it's just keep speaking until something comes back. Mm-hmm. You know, no, but I'm asking you, I'm asking you, what yeah. are you afraid would happen? Oh, I'm afraid it would just be over. It would just be like, um, well, thanks, thanks for stopping by. Have a good day because I, I can't go yeah. on. I don't know and, what and it, okay, so if that really happened, if someone said that to you, thanks and you can't goodbye, have a good day, uh, <laughs> would that be the end of the world? <laughs> you know what? It wouldn't. It would be like, okay, well, that was that one. Right. Right. I mean, I'm standing there crying because I just lost my mom. They don't know I just lost my mom. I may have told them afterwards, but, you know, why did she just all of a sudden start crying at the end of the speech? How can I explain that? You know? Right. So it happened. I lost it. In the moment, I felt horrible. But the world did not stop. I did not pass out, fall out, or die. Right, right, and you kept going, and you kept going. I, kept going. I, th- I think also, I think also, especially in today's society, I'm noticing that people like the human side. They like you to yeah. be right. You know, authentic. They want you. They want you to be authentic, and so I think that's actually kind of a good thing. It is because you know what? It takes the pressure off everyone, right? As uncomfortable as I felt in that moment, I'm sure people who had any compassion in their hearts at all saw me go through this and their hearts were breaking for me. Yeah. No one was laughing at me and pointing their fingers at me. No one. Right. Right? And so that type of putting that type of pressure on yourself puts that type of pressure on the audience. And that's what the bad part is. And that's why people today are wanting to see the flaws because it's too much, it takes too much energy and too much effort to try and hold it together and put something together perfect all the time. It's just, it's too much pressure on the speaker and it's too much pressure on the audience or the person who you're trying to communicate with. Take all that off. You know what? We're all, you know, vulnerable. We all have our flaws and we all have issues of some sort, right? So, yeah. Just be yourself and try to be comfortable and make other people comfortable in your communication. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, yeah. I love that. And if you have any questions or comments, I'm checking the emails at anikepassionjourney at gmail.com. That is one word, anikepassionjourney at gmail.com. And in the studio, 347-539-5372. Give us a call and make sure you press that one on that keypad when you are ready to ask the question. So, of course, this show, we've talked about your voice, your opportunity, and you've worked with a lot of people, and, you know, a lot of opportunities have come from you working with them. And so describe, like, like what do you kind of tell people that are trying to seek those voiceover opportunities and all those other different opportunities? How, how do you get them, get them in, those, in those directions? Right. I get a lot of people talking to me and asking me questions about voiceover all the time, and that is just one of the most fascinating, fascinating creative ways to express yourself. And um, thank you for asking that question, Anike, because voiceover has become so popular now. Uh, it started mm-hmm. last year when the past, you know, people could, people, voiceover artists who had their own home studios, they just kept working, nothing 
stop for them. As a matter of fact, things got more, even even busier. And so everybody started trying to get into voiceover. But voiceover is one of those things that you can use your voice in such creative ways, and you can cash in on your voice, right? So mm-hmm. I this online course about cashing in on your voice and using your voice in the art of storytelling, but within voiceover. And so voiceover has so many genres right now. I mean, you've got uh, documentary, narration, e-learning, right? Everybody has a video that they have to go through some sort of training when when they get a job now, right? Uh, You've got medical narration, corporate narration, explainer videos, and then you've got this huge, huge area of audiobooks, right? And Mm, audiobooks are just never going away, let me tell you. And there are so many different genres within audiobooks. You've got romance novels, self-help, history, science fiction, business, literature, all of these different types of sounds, right? Again, we're using our voices in very, very creative ways. But these are all, in voiceover today, you can earn money, and in some cases, a lot of money uh, by using your voice. You've got commercials where the voiceover um, on television and radio, you've got talking toys and dolls, uh, and what system does not have their what we call telephony, um, IVR system, voicemail, right? Everyone, every business has it because you're even if you don't have an office, you have a phone, uh, and then you've got all of the gaming, all the electronic gaming and esports that's happening right now. Uh, and then a big thing that's getting even bigger is the voice of things and the inter- Internet of things. So when you hear people uh, talking about Alexa, Cortana, um, Siri, all of these, and there goes Alexa <laughs> chiming in in the room. Um, yeah. All of these are using voice, right? Uh, then you've got all of the stuff that happens in film and television. You've got live announcers. Uh, virtual tours, and, and one area that I think is getting a lot of lot more attention now and should have had the attention a long time ago is audio description, and this is where you have a voiceover that tells you what's going on um, in the movie or the television show, right, for people who are blind or visually impaired. It's kind mm. of like the audio version of closed captioning. And um, I don't know why it's not been on every, you know, network or television channel that's out there, but Netflix, all of their movies and programming uses audio description, and that is a voiceover artist, right? And they get paid to do that. And then you've got, of course, stop motion animation, anime, radio imaging, um, all of these different areas are opportunities for you to cash in on your voice. And voiceover wow. is just one of those really creative, you know, types of things. You could be asked to uh, narrate an audio book, a romance novel, in the morning, and in the afternoon you may have to play a dragon or somebody eating a Dove chocolate bar. So all of those yeah. voiceover, you know, ideas require you to use your voice in very different but specific ways. Awesome. And so well, this, that's where you know, a lot of coaching 
I'm sorry. I'm I just sorry. want to get the call. In. We, we actually have another caller, so I want to get this caller in. But thank you, because that's awesome. There's a whole wide variety of opportunities, and I hope that everybody's been listening and taking notes on that. Let me get this caller in before the show ends. So, okay. Hello, hello, caller. Welcome to Journey to Passion. <laughs> hello, this is Cassandra Jollis with uh, – Cassandra Jobs Live, I want to say thank you um, for your show and thank you, Dr. Cindy Milligan, for sharing about voice. So my question to you would be this. Um, There's kind of like two questions, but I want to ask about, um, as you know, I'm a speaker and a media personality and um, an actress. And so as we get older, right, our voices change. Um, How can we you know, keep our, how can we keep our voices youthfulness? Now, I'm not talking like, you know, <laughs> 17, 18 sound. <laughs> right. But I am talking, you know, like those 20s, those 30s. And it's like James L. Jones, you know, I was listening to his voice, and I think he's close to 90 or, or 90-ish. And, of course, his voice has changed, and, you know, he has an incredible voice, and, you know, he's been in numerous voiceovers for CNN and other um, and other projects, but I noticed when he did the last um, show, a movie rather, with Eddie Murphy for Coming to America 2, that's when I noticed his signature voice had really changed. And so I'm thinking, what can I do now to preserve the quality and the sound of my voice as I get older? Great question, Cassandra. Uh, And I'm so glad you bring that up because this whole idea of aging in the voice is a very big deal. Now, in voiceover, sometimes you have someone who's older and they are asked to play a little boy. And a lot of women can do boy voices. But interestingly enough, not a lot of males can do female voices. But what, here's the bottom line of preserving your voice and the strength and quality and sound of it. Your voice is created through four systems in your body like I mentioned earlier, respiration, mm-hmm. phonation, resonation, articulation. Each one of those areas has very specific muscles that make them work and make them function. So if you're able to work out, warm up, and exercise those muscles, then as you age, they'll still have the strength and elasticity that they need in order for you to create a consistent sound and a consistent tone, and you won't, your voice won't weaken. What you hear with aging voices is really a lack of control of the respiratory system, right? So all the muscles that help you breathe and and take in air, because as long as you can take in air and have enough air, then you can your voice will be strong and consistent, and and you know it'll maintain its quality. The other thing is hydration, because a lot mm. of people think that well, you know, I'm just not going to drink a you know, whatever water I'm supposed to today. But they don't realize that by not doing it, they are really putting themselves in danger, right? Because dehydration is a very serious thing, and it has long-term negative impacts on various parts of the body, right? And so a lot of times, um, well, there's some research that shows that dehydration is the cause of hypertension, migraine headaches, diabetes, a lot of heart issues just because, you know, we don't have enough hydration. And that really impacts your voice and makes it sound weaker. 
and it makes it not um, have the longevity in the quality of sound. So maybe wow. That was a long <laughs> no, that was really uh, good. No, that's what I needed to know because I haven't think about the hydration part of it at oh, all. Yeah. So I'm glad you shared Huge. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let me just say something about hydration. You've probably heard you should drink eight, eight ounce glasses of water every day. Yes. Okay. Well, that's only for someone who weighs uh, 130 pounds, right? Because really the, you need to calculate how much water your body needs, right? Because a person who weighs 120 pounds, they don't need as much water as a 250-pound linebacker, right? Mm. There's no way mm-hmm. that that football player can survive on just eight eight-ounce glasses of water every day. So what you need to do is take your body weight, divide it in half, and that's the minimum number of ounces that you need every day. So for The minimum person, number of, of ounces? I'm sorry, you said ounces, the minimum number right? of what? So okay. The minimum number of ounces you should drink every day. So if a person is drinking that eight eight-ounce glasses, that's 64 ounces, right? Well, 64 mm-hmm. times two, that's 128 pounds. So if you weigh more than 128 pounds, then eight eight-ounce glasses of water is not going to do you well. Mm-hmm. So, you gotcha. know, you just need to drink more water is the bottom line. Gotcha. Not I got another question for you. Yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I apologize. Go ahead. Listening to your question, Cassandra. <laughs> okay. The other question I have is I've been really considering going into doing voice, voiceovers, and you made a really good point about the various categories of using your voice for documentaries and and others. Is there an agency you could recommend, or how would you advise someone like myself who's, who's been asked to do voiceovers? But I really didn't see myself as a voiceover person, but I do realize that I do want to uh, also work in that space. So, so we'll, how should I go about doing that? Today, like I said, the industry has really changed, but really it's called voice acting. And so talent agents that are looking to book models for TV, for TV or film, uh, they would be a one way to go, but you need to have a demo reel produced, you know, based on the genre type of work you want to do. So if you want to do commercials, you have a commercial voiceover reel. If you want to do e-learning, then you have an e-learning demo. So those demos are required before you present yourself to an agency asking them to represent you. But now there are a lot of what they call pay-to-play sites, and they're all over, all over the Internet. And what happens is you pay a certain fee to them uh, yearly, and then they will send you auditions. And they get auditions from businesses and organizations that are looking to hire voiceover talent. So there are two ways that you can go, and there are talent agencies, as you know, all over the country and uh, so finding a, a talent agent to represent you, you definitely have to have those demo reels. But if you're just, you know, individually going out trying to market yourself as a voiceover talent. I got I to cut it. We're about to end the show. Sorry about that. But oh, thank you so much. Okay. And I really thank appreciate you. it. And um, I really appreciate you, you calling in. I hope you got a lot out of it. Thank you, Cindy. I appreciate everything Indeed. for you. And, um, you, you know, if you come back. Pleasure. 
Thank you. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in. Come back on September the 25th for the next episode of Getting Out of My Own Way and the 27th for JIP Inspiration Moment. You have been listening to Journey into Passion with the NKS on Everyday Folks Radio. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you.